0: Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you?
1: I am fine. Thank you, Kersey Rice. And once again, what a difference a week makes. <laughs> yes. You've had some really difficult news in South Australia this week on the COVID front.
0: Oh, it's just incredible, isn't it? Like we've got zero active cases since March, and here we are in November and one person one person is all it takes um so yes in one of our quarantine hotels um which is so if you fly in from overseas you go straight into quarantine for 14 days and in one of the quarantine hotels a uh, cleaning like a cleaner was uh, has contracted covid and taken it home I, i don't know how it works but there's 17 members of her family and they've all they've all got it so uh, they're calling it the parafield cluster because she lives out in a suburb called parafield they have set up the uh, outdoor testing at the parafield airport convenient that (laughs) that it's out there because it's now the parafield airport has now become a car park of just constant drive-by testing um we're out of toilet paper in 24 hours it's all that's all gone again but I have to say I think I think they're actually doing a really really good job of um, contract uh, of tracing there are 4,000 people currently in quarantine because of the one family member that infected 17 so 4,000 people automatically go into quarantine I think we've had five schools shut down and there were only five new cases today so we'll have to wait and see really it'll be over the next week to see whether they've you know got hold of it or if, yeah yeah to see what happens and nikki I, you know where i'm in two worlds here where i'm i'm on the quarantine facebook page with all the aussies that are in quarantine and reading their reaction and then I'm out in the general public and hearing their reaction because of course there is no mistaking that this has come from overseas that this has come from one of the quarantine hotels so I think the general public's automatic uh, assumption is well, if we didn't, if there weren't people coming into Australia, if we didn't have these quarantine hotels, you know, this wouldn't happen. Um, but of course, it's it's gut wrenching yeah. reading the
1: comments. Oh. That, that, you know that that the, the the to be fair, in the media, they've done a really good job of trying to cover why people are coming home and how they're coming home and and how they've been quarantined. And just to see this punch up straight again, the comments about we shouldn't be having these people come here, they should have come earlier. Also, I was absolutely devastated to read in one of the quarantine groups that now all the people in that hotel have to move to another hotel and do 14 more days of quarantine. Yes, yes, Uh, which I thought was just (laughs) Yes. I mean, no fault of their own that that this has happened either. So it's just, you know, it's really hard. So, Katie, let's move on now to the four fat questions. Yes. So what makes you excited for a new move? So last week you asked me how it was going, you know, what I was, where I was up to, how it was looking for a move over summer. And after our talk, it prompted me to call the school, an international school in Copenhagen and talk to the admissions department. And by the time I was finished with the admissions department, I was ready to move. I was ready to move tomorrow. I was ready to go to school at this school. I was all in. Wonderful. it It just made me think about the things that make you excited about moving. So moving is big. There's a lot. And if you've done it a couple of times, you know that things go wrong and it's shitty. And no matter how much you downsize and, Marie Kondo yourself there's still a lot of boxes (laughs) so uh, but but there are things that make it worth it and and in your mind it's the excite part of it is the excitement part of it is the wow this could be so much better or this could be so great it doesn't have to be better but it can be different and good so Mm. I was wondering from you what makes you excited about
0: a new move do you know everything makes me excited about a new move i am addicted to new moves and i'm sure all serial expats out there will identify (laughs) with just the simply the idea of a move will have me googling my way down a rabbit hole you know i'm instantly where am i going to live what's my new area going to be like oh look at that house look at that look at that apartment oh could we could we get that home um it's all the new friends the new adventures um I am completely addicted to the idea of a new fresh start um and there is also this massive surge of creativity that comes when you go somewhere new because you get that new perspective and new sights and new smells and everything is a wonder um and of course, there's all the bad bits and the scary bits and the horrors. I, you know, I've broke down at every new move and um, been in tears on the side of the road because I've been lost and friendless and felt like I wasn't quite sure who I was anymore and, um, you know, had desperate, desperate moments. But I think the good just always outweighs the bad. And I, I wonder too, Nikki, you know, I reckon this is the, bit, This bit that you're about to do of where are we going to live, you know, what's the school going to be like, Um, what are we going to go and see, you know, that research of this new place. I mean, and I guess too, you've got a little bit more of the knowing because you have a family member that's already there. So yeah. that that fear is out too that you know someone's there and and it's all smooth sailing. I don't know what what makes you excited about move. Well, I think all the things you just said
1: I I, I agree with that. And and I I'm now I'm probably a little bit more experience. I mean, I don't have a checklist of things I ask a new school. I mean, I know for each of my children, what's important in a school. And so I, I do spend five minutes before I make the call thinking about that. The One of the things I said at the end of the call was, what haven't I asked that other parents ask? Like, what am I missing? What What are other questions that you get? That's a great question. And she said, "Uh." Oh, she said, oh, um, you know, some people ask about where to live. And as you said, we already, we already are familiar with Copenhagen in a way and we know where the school is and, you know, where we'd like to live, that
0: kind of thing. So it, I just thought it was a good question to ask that. like what do other people ask? Was it weird um, only asking for one child and not two?
1: That's what I said to her. I said, This is very strange to me. We're moving in. I will only have one child in school. And she said, Oh, that's a shame. And I was like, How do you know? Like, you know, I could have six kids and this could be such a relief. But it was, it was uh, the way she said it and the way I phrased it, I guess, was a bit regretful. But yeah, (laughs) so I think it is strange. I mean, when you meet people in a new school, and this is so weird, and this is, you say, oh, hi, you know, blah, blah, blah. How many kids have you got? And everyone says, oh. And and it's just, you know, people say, oh, I've got three kids, you know, kindergarten, fifth grade, sixth grade, that kind of thing. And so now it's like,
0: well, I've got Mm. two kids but just one at Mm. the school. I, I don't know, it's really yeah. a different feeling. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, look, Nikki, I I totally get that feeling. I remember it with when my first daughter went to boarding school and I would meet new people and I would really feel the need to tell them that we weren't complete, that there was one of us missing. You always need to explain who you are and who and you'll do that from now on, even if there, you'll feel the need to tell everyone that you there is someone else and this is where they are and this is what they do. <laughs> because you can't you can't you you can't be you without the whole team. Well, that's how I feel too. No, know? no, and I'm and,
1: sure that's true. Yeah. I'm sure that's true even for our much smaller family than yours. But yeah, I'm sure it's
0: very true okay Nikki I want to ask you uh, you mentioned Marie Kondo before about your clean-out strategy so on the weekend I decided to clean up the uh, we've got a a very small built-in wardrobe here at the beach but I decided I would clean out the bottom of it because I haven't done that and we've nearly been in the house for three years and don't even think about the visual of that so through everything on the bed and you know with much excitement got inside the cupboards wiped out all the floors then came back in and looked at everything on the bed and everything on the floor and thought oh good lord what have I started and promptly left and went and sat outside and read the Saturday papers and had a cup of coffee (laughs) but Lisa one of our listeners who's on Insta as well said to me I want to know what what is your strategy like how do you clean out your closets and your wardrobes before a move um so I don't know, Nikki. Have you worked out your strategy before? Because I mean, this is all in your future. Yeah, in my immediate future, short to short to medium term. Yeah, look, I haven't,
1: but I, a lot needs to go. I mean, I have clothes from Australia.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. How? Oh, God. I I don't know. Nikki, I've just found a way that we are very, very different. I thought we were very, very similar. No, I'm a total condo. If you're not bringing me joy, off you go. No, I'm just like this is a dress that you only
1: wear sort of once every two or three years, better keep it in case I need it.
0: No. I no. don't
1: know where I would buy a new version of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Okay.
1: So but I think this time I'm going to be very brutal. Yeah. And because I I wear such a small part of my wardrobe and I think yeah. well that that's sending me a message isn't it? You know. <laughs> and then I go through stuff I think ah oh, but you know yeah, no, but I I saw you and, and I saw you on Instagram and, you know, I thought, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of work that needs to be done here. And I'm also not, I see people every summer and winter, people that live in significant places, changing their wardrobe over and putting things into boxes and taking them to storage, mm. you know, putting my summer clothes
0: away like oh i don't do that do you do that i did do that i i pulled out the the um jumpers and the things and i put them in a box and put them away um but there is some bad in that because i do that in qatar too and of course all my lovely summer clothes are sitting in qatar as we speak because usually i would bring them back you know i'd do the transferring of of things um so yeah, you have in in Qatar. You have summer and high summer. Like you don't really have. Like,
1: <laughs> you're not into boots and coats.
0: Well, and I am boots. in the beach house weirdly because we're always here in mm. winter. So I do have a lot of boots, and I tend to buy. I'm, I'm you a you have a lot of boots. I do you have a lot of boots. I am a boot. I am a boot wearer. I love boots and. Even in Qatar, I will take a pair of boots and, tr- and stretch them out for as long as I can before I look ridiculous. Nikki, I want to ask, there was something that came up in the Facebook group this week, and it seemed to be one of those posts that um, I was going to say it was, po- it was a polarising post.
1: Um, it's a lightning rod, I like a lightning rod.
0: So, Nikki, you want to move, but your children want to stay. Are you a bad mother for feeling like your children are holding you hostage? Because this is the term that um, someone in the fatterati used on the on the Facebook, um, on on a, in our two fat expats Facebook group. They said, "Oh, you know, I feel like my children are holding me hostage," and she was talking about her fourteen year old daughter. And I wondered because the reactions were there were the, I had to delete a few because people questioned this person's mothering skills um, and their commitment to their daughter. And it was like, whoa. Um, why does this question always cause such an adverse reaction?
1: Well, I would I would say that I have a 14-year-old daughter and I read it and I went, yes, yeah, sister, I'm high-fiving you. I feel like I'm being held <laughs> hostage by my 14-year-old daughter. And then I started reading the responses. And I thought, okay, not everyone took it the same way I did. Not everyone (laughs) thought, I I have a 14-year-old who's making my life very difficult because they are very undispleased with our move. And I think I, so this move for us is two things. We have known about it longer than any other move we've ever done because we had to make a decision 18 months ago about whether we're going to all move together or separately. Mm -hmm. And two, You know, my children are at an age now, particularly my daughter, where to move for a 14-year-old girl is possibly the worst thing in the world. Yes. And I get that. I understand that. And so I've had to think long and hard and come up with really several strategies to, one, first encourage her to move because initially she was flat out, I'm not moving, Mm. and two, then to encourage her to participate you know, once moved and, you know, all these kinds of things. So I totally empathise with someone who says they feel like it's a very difficult time mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult discussion and it's a very difficult process because it 100% is. Yes. And I think that person wrote that as a throwaway comment in frustration looking for perhaps other people with 14 year old daughters or looking for a little bit of empathy on how people have dealt with it Mm. and instead what happened was as happens in every social media post since the beginning of time is people read it from their own point of view which is 100% fair Mm. and some people who were third culture kids who are now grown up said hey sister you know think about this. If you were 14, how would you feel? You know, I went through this with my parents and, you know, it was fair. It was unfair. This is what we did, etc. And then other people said, don't say that about your children. You know, and, and I just, I looked at it for what it was because it's close to my current experience, mm. what I thought it was. But I do see how other people think about it differently. If someone said to me, I'm so worried about my toddler moving. You know, they've got such a lovely friend group and I don't know how we'll settle into a new country. I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but for them it's, no, don't laugh. We've seen those posts. But <laughs> but do you see what I mean? Yeah. But I also, I also wonder
0: how many people haven't thought about this, as the long-term story too and I wonder I wonder yes if you've got very small children you can't imagine ever feeling that way about your 14 year old because you won't ever feel like that about your 14 year old your 14 year old will never make you feel bad because your 14 year old's lovely because they're three um but (laughs) i i think and or you won't be moving countries by the time they're 14 you don't think and or
1: yeah i mean there's all these things that you think because they're related to your situation at that time that you read
0: the and i think too that people don't think that they don't realize that when your children are 14 15 16 you start thinking okay well if we don't move now we may never move because if this child's going to stay here and finish school here and start university here or whatever, well, then we're here. So this may be our last chance to move. And I think you have to realize that that's what's going through a mother's head as well of, you know, maybe that mother always thought, well, I always thought we would end up in this location. But we're not quite there yet and if we don't move now, we're never going to get there and if we, it'll never happen. Um, I also thought it was interesting in this particular case because I, I have to say, I have a 14-year-old son and I don't think it's any different with a 14-year-old son or a 14-year-old <laughs> daughter. They are still hormonal. They're still a teenager. They, they still have all the same issues. They don't want to leave their friends. They don't want to go somewhere new and have to do it all over again. They're not really happy with with you impacting this mammoth change into their lives. Um, but I, I thought people gave great advice about, you know have you found some other teens in the new location that they you could connect them with and that they could talk to and that you have to discuss and you have to compromise you know Nikki I've always been a big one that you've had to have had this discussion all the way along so it's never a surprise so that you know people don't go what wait huh you know when did this come up you know it, ha- it has to be there but I thought it was really interesting that for every success story there was an opposing tragedy or story. yes. So there were plenty of people that said, I moved when I was 14, I didn't want to go, I fought it all the way, I ended up loving it. And then there were other people saying, I didn't want to go when I was 14 and I absolutely hated it and it was the worst thing that ever happened. Um, you don't know. I mean, all you know is it will probably build enormous resilience in your child um and it will be an experience that you'll go through together
1: yeah look I think it's really tough and I I I think that with apologies to parents of toddlers everywhere for my previous (laughs) statement but I just think that you know you read something and you look at it through your own lens of experience Mm. and and that's the only thing that you can apply but it just creates so much drama, like fourteen-year-old children create <laughs> so much drama. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, last one. Something that also really struck me. I think the group's really playing a big role in our questions this week. But in a, in the fatterity this week, someone posted a picture, and it was a picture of a garlic with a uh, with a clove cu- pulled out. And in the in the place of the clove was a little piece of mandarin, and it said, "Not everywhere you fit in is where you belong." and I thought it really struck me I was like wow (laughs) like like some philosophical breakthrough and I was thinking that is really really true but then does it change and I I thought you know do you turn from a piece of mandarin into a piece of garlic or do you never are you always the mandarin and when you go back to your home country you're the mandarin
0: yes not every place you fit in is where you belong because the piece of mandarin fits in the garlic yeah (laughs) do you know what i thought when i saw that i and and it is how you're feeling at the time isn't it because i thought i could show that to my 14 year old son who is hanging out with a bunch of people at the moment or who he feels are all different to him (laughs) um but i also thought oh that could be a really (laughs) a really bad track to go down because you're just confirming that he's different oh, you, that you're different yeah well and i and, and then i was thinking gee isn't it interesting Uh you know when you're older you want to be diff a little bit different yes. but when you're younger you just want to be the same but i i think we're all i think the truth is that that piece of garlic is going to walk her away with a lot of mandarin on it
1: <laughs> yeah, okay good point there's not only going to be one piece of mandarin there there's going to be more than one so okay so <laughs> that's a thing so i guess it's about so you fit in so is it fitting in by looks or by feel or like or and belonging because fitting in and belonging are obviously two different things and some of it's Mm. about external and some of it's about internal and I just thought as an expat it's a really poignant uh, illustration of of a lot of about how people feel and sometimes in the beginning when you move to a new place you definitely you feel like a, a piece of mango like you wouldn't even get in the garlic (laughs) (laughs) but but over time you might become the mandarin and still be like the still Mm. fit in you know you can walk into a supermarket and have a conversation or and everyone knows you're still a mandarin you're not a garlic clove but you feel like you're still (laughs) fitting in the overall outline of you know how it all works anyway Mm. i just it just really struck me and i just thought we could have a little chat about it
0: <laughs> yeah it was it was a very good visual i thought i agree with you i really liked it as well and i think in any expat group you could go and open up any one of those bits of garlic and find that they're all multiple fruits on the inside <laughs> you know but everybody's just done their thing to all fit in the one thing nikki the 66 days to form a habit you know i was going to stretch for 66 yep. days in a row yeah take how's that go well, yeah, not good, not good. It's time for me to admit defeat. <laughs> I can't work out if I need a different challenge or if I just need to, because my problem is the sharing every day. It's the taking the photo and sharing every day. And I did see that there was someone who loaded up five days' worth and just did one post and had them in their thing. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do that. Or then... Then there were a couple of days I didn't do it because I went to Renmark to, you know, go stay with my parents and then it was like, oh, I don't have my roller and I don't have my whatever. And it was, you know, it was just there was nowhere to lie in the middle of the floor at my parents' feet in the lounge room. (laughs) It just didn't really fit with the moment. I thought, oh, maybe I should do a 30-minute walk every day. I don't know. I will wake up tomorrow and decide. But I promise whatever I do, I will post like I'll do – seven photos in one yeah look i think
1: i have to say when i was doing the 50 50 days to 50 and i did 50 walks I just had it on Strava and so it was easy because it was there. So yes. every time I walked outside, I turned on that's Strava. That's what I'll
0: do. <laughs> yes. And so you don't, that's like, good advice. you don't even have to take yeah. photos because it's
1: already there. So at the end of the week, you just go, oh, here, let me take a photo of my last seven yes. days. And that's yeah, easy. I yeah, think yeah. I think the effort's not, not so much on the sharing but not on the doing. So it's good yes. to see you. And I'm really impressed by the people in the group who are doing the photos and taking the thing, and that's excellent uh but yes. it's about more than doing although my friend mary has a peloton and she keeps messaging me about oh you want to do this live class let's do this live class at this time i'm like oh no i can't make that time i said keep asking me keep asking me anyway on the weekend it was a saturday she said let's do a class at five thirty. beyonce has has joined peloton so there's like a beyonce peloton situation
0: are we talking 5 30 a.m or p.m no p.m
1: p.m p.m right good good, good. so
0: <laughs> I only
1: get up at 5 30 a.m for you anyway so but so I, and I said okay I can't really avoid it because it's a weekend and I can do it she said it should be okay a- about two minutes in I was screaming uh, she couldn't hear me because she, of course lives in another part of town going this is the worst thing I've ever done and then in this class you're in a live class so what you see is uh, you see the instructor but then you see on the side where you are in terms of the class so there's 2,000 people globally oh, doing this class and then you're down the bottom and then you keep like, badly. so you just go oh, I'm not the bottom I'm two from the bottom I'm three from the bottom and you keep going keep going That yeah. it gets too hard and then you go oh and then all of a sudden you're at the bottom again. Like, oh, anyway, I said to her, I said, look, this is all very great, listening to Beyonce music, but come on, sister. Like, I no, I'm not for live classes. I'm just all for beginner classes that are pre-recorded that I don't have to
0: worry about competing with people live with. Okay. Hey, Nikki, I reckon now in our three favourite things we're both going to have uh, The Crown, hopefully. Have you, have you got to watch a little bit of it? I
1: have I watched
0: a little bit, oh, yes. Okay. So season four of The Crown. I think I'm up to about episode five or six. Um Charles and Diana have been to Australia. Have you hit that moment? Yes, yet?
1: they've been to Australia, <gasps> yes.
0: Oh my gosh, how good was that as an Australian? Even though I know they weren't in Australia, but how how good was it? And Richard Were Roxburgh they not? Did that hawk. did that
1: not happen at the Opera House? <laughs> Did they not film that um, there? I was feeling that they did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so how are you enjoying it? What are your thoughts? Well,
1: I talked about before about how I was going to have felt a bit conflicted about watching it because it was mm. about modern day. Mm. And I've since read a lot of reviews about how, that's also difficult for a lot of people watching it. So before it was historical Mm. and that was okay and then now it's events that people feel that they are familiar with themselves and so it's Mm. a little bit difficult. And it's not as bad as I thought. It's really clever. Like every time I think, oh. And then you know the way they weave the episode in with a theme, and they yes. progress the story, and it's always got so, some sort of parallel theme going on. I mean, the episode where the guy broke into the queen's bedroom—have you? Yes. is that before yeah. or after? Yeah, yeah I've watched. I, that. I thought that was a great episode. Like w- yes. whether or not that's the conversation they had, but I just thought it was an excellent. Just, just the way it was all put together,
0: I just thought. It was just so good. I had no idea he'd broken into the palace twice.
1: No, me either. Did you Google that? I was like, oh
0: <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Um, look, there's one thing that I'm is throwing me a little bit, and everybody keeps talking about how fantastic Gillian Anderson's portrayal of Thatcher is and how amazing she is. And I'm gonna be really controversial and say I think she overdoes it. I, I've i gone back because I've gone, have I just forgotten that Thatcher was that affected and in her way of speaking? And I've gone back to watch and I just don't think she is. So, yes, I think Gillian Anderson does a wonderful, you know, the, the look is very similar. I just thought she just went a little bit too far, almost like a bit of a caricature of Maggie Thatcher.
1: Couldn't agree more. Oh, <laughs> I, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I have been horrified by reading all these. Julian Anderson, most amazing acting ever. I was like, it really irritates me. And I, I and yes. I also went back and watched Thatcher speaking for that particular reason because I thought, yes. And then but the more I watch it, the more I get into the storyline of her. I can accept it more. I freaking love how she's always in the kitchen at 10 Downing Street cooking. That they're showing the real difference between her and the Queen in that the Queen just sits there and people bring her things. And whereas, like, Margaret Thatcher was apparently, like, cooking up dinner in 30 minutes for a group of people that she'd summoned to her flat. So I really really like the way that they're showing all that. But it did take me more than a minute. I was very open to embrace uh, Diana and the portrayal of Diana much more than I was open to embrace mm. the portrayal of,
0: um, yeah. of Margaret
1: Thatcher. I you, do agree. You were,
0: you were bang on to predict, though, about how we'd struggle with things that we we'd seen and i but i also do feel that because i went back and watched season three i feel in season four there's been a lot more poetic license with conversations that would have been had um so i think oh and i and i think charles has been given a really a, a, a raw like a short straw in that where I've watched you know now you can go onto YouTube and you can see the original footage versus the crown footage side by side you know there's a whole lot of going on and and the character who plays Charles has really made him this hunched over sort yeah. of insipid wincing person and when you look at the footage side by side you go well no Charles didn't do that. He, he isn't all hunched over and insipid and wincy. Okay, one of the other things I've watched in the last week is I, I can't remember, Nikki, did I tell you that I went back and watched the final episode of The Circus after the election?
1: Oh, no, you didn't, but yes. Yes.
0: I- so I really wanted to like post-election, I thought I've got to go back and watch the last episode just to see how they wrapped up and finished up and just one of the... I guess it was just such a pleasant surprise was uh, Debbie Dingle speaking about biden in that final episode um now i didn't know debbie dingle i was i didn't know about john dingle who held the long he was the longest ever serving member of congress in american history but he represented michigan for more than 59 years but i just loved the story that she told and i loved the way she spoke about america and the democratic party um she said we need to understand how people feel and that she'd had so many people come up to her and say Trump cares more about my job than you do meaning more than the Democrats do and she said you know Democrats think we're the be all and end all and we have to start having some really uncomfortable conversations but she told this beautiful story about her husband was a little bit older than her and uh, he got very sick and he went into hospital and she didn't tell anyone he'd gone into hospital but they the the prognosis wasn't great and um she said somehow joe biden found out like he was good friends with john dingle but he arrived at the hospital when her husband was in intensive care and the doctor had said look i think he's i think he's you know going this will be it. And Joe Biden went in and said, look, it's not your time. You've got more work to do. This isn't your time. You've got to get better. And he did. And he came back and he lasted for another four years. But she was talking just about the fact that Joe Biden arrived and that you know that he was so uplifting and that he was that sort of person and just just thought it was a really lovely story and I really I just really enjoyed watching that final the circus was good but I couldn't keep up with it you know all the way through I had it wasn't going to be my thing but I loved that final episode um The other thing that I really loved this week was Nick Bryant who was on Conversations with Feidler. Uh, He's a journalist, he's a Brit married to an Australian woman but they're living in New York and so the breadth of his knowledge and the experience that he's had of being in front of so many different politicians from all over the globe, it, it was just really good listening. You know how you get someone that's just so so well traveled such a brilliant expat too um that they can just drop in oh well i was here when this and this happened and this happened and whatever but he he spoke about reagan and he's not the first person i've heard have this thought in the last two weeks so a lot of people are talking about trump and how we got to trump and saying that it sort of started with reagan and specifically how reagan turned america against big government and he was he was saying that reagan was you know one of the first republicans to really sort of i guess try and spread the message that big government was bad and i just found that really insightful because of my age i've only ever known america to be against big government you know that was one of the things that really struck me when i was in america i don't know if that was the same for you nikki was you know like i think in australia we we're not big fans of big government we definitely we definitely embrace having the government and being looked after and and having social services of those things and we have expectations of the government whereas there was always I always felt when I was in America there was this feeling about we had to beware that the government would get too big for its boots you know and that there would be too much of it and I so I, I thought that was really interesting as well I thought it was great interview he got COVID when he was in new york and he had a baby on uh, at home his wife had a baby at home in new york right in the middle of black lives matter movements and COVID at extremes and things being really disruptive and so he sort of talks about the loveliness of that of having a baby and amongst it you know keeping everyone calm um have I got one more to tell you? Have I done too many no, now? No, you've done three. Well, if we share, if we share,
1: it depends. If we share the kind. I if really want car. to
0: tell you about my love okay. of these Americanos, which, um, oh, my gosh. Uh, so a girlfriend of mine invited me over for an Aperol spritz the other day and her Aperol spritz involves, um, you know, the great big glass full of ice A couple of wedges of orange but then opening a can and pouring it straight in which I thought that's a good way to do it I'm happy with that and but I was it's made by a local winery here with Chapel Hill Wines and they're called Americanos and I thought I have to go up and and look about Americanos and so the creator of the Americano uh, was Gaspar Campari and um i'm kicking myself because i learned that cafe campari opened in the 1860s and um though the aperol spritz was originally known as the milano torino because of its ingredients it had campari which is a liqueur um from milan and then it had some vermouth from torino and Nikki you would remember I went to Torino when we were in Italy but this this cafe is literally right outside the Duomo in Milan or Milano if we're going to pretend to be Italian but it was like damn I didn't go I should have gone but um, yes yeah, so because we're heading into summer if uh, anyone wants to get a a uh, little four pack of the cans at Chapel Hill. I've noticed that you can get them online and have them sent to you. Um, But they are yummy, yummy scrummy. So that's my other favourite thing um at okay excellent good to know uh
1: all right so the crown we've talked about all my regular shows are back now which is such relief
0: but i realize (laughs) now why are they back have they are they back because everybody's been able to go back to work or how i'm guessing yes
1: i'm guessing somehow they worked out how to do uh, recording in the, in the environment. So they were all shut down in March when, when the first wave hit the U S. And so a lot of the shows finished early, like they wrapped up a couple of episodes before the season, before the normal episode count. And they usually come back in September. Of course, now it's November. So it's been a little bit longer, but what I realized when I went to my shows, I said, Oh, they're back. I realized how many medical shows I watch in my 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 shows list because you know Grey's Anatomy the good doctor Chicago med they're all the shows of course are about the early days of covid and how oh. it was addressed and how and how, and and each hospital or each I don't know whether it was each city but each hospital has almost totally different protocols in dealing with covid patients oh. so it was also really yeah. interesting to watch how they were portraying, because I assume that um, that was because you know at the time that they were the protocols that were being used, and, and that's how the show recorded them. So,
0: is uh, uh, that little buddy Bruce in the yes, background? I'm, I'm sorry, having... <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, I'll just open the door and let him in. One <laughs> sec. You can come up. come on. Okay, he's in. Sorry, little buddy, <laughs> little no. little buddy Bruce. Um. It must have been sitting in a different room, but he's decided, no, he's going to come and join okay. the podcast, Okay, that's fine. Right. So, there you go. Say hi, buddy. Say hi. <laughs> hi, buddy. Hi.
1: Oh, he's sniffing the microphone. Good work, buddy.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um, yeah, so so it's just there's all these different scenarios and setups and, and how they're showing, and they're also showing a lot of the stories of the early part of COVID where, you know, the, the mortality rate
0: was very high. where yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Shush. All right. I might just have to let him chew on my hand while we finish our podcast. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, okay, yeah. so the the shine the the really the really sad stories of early covid and it's it's a little bit depressing i mean i did push through and i was able to complete my trash tv but it was it was like it was very sad to be reminded of that very early time when people didn't know what was happening and to be reminded again of of how people are so separate once they go into hospital and and how that all works anyway the shows are back that's yeah. one thing
0: hey and I'm wondering, are there any romances going on? Like, t- because can people kiss in the in the movies? Like when they're making the television? Well, if you're a working actor, can you can you be snogging the other person? And how is that? No, how is that happening? Is
1: that happening? No, there's no none of that happening. In fact, a lot of the storylines were about couples being separated because a lot of medical staff did live separately. One guy drives home every day and sleeps in the garage. His wife sets up his little bed in the garage. And I mean, they're, they're all real. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have
0: to move my hand. Right. It's because I moved my hand. I mean, they're all
1: real things. Yep. They're all real things that happened during the first wave of COVID. So, you know, that they're, they're presenting them in that way. But yeah, no, no snogging. Um, okay. I'll really quit, finish quickly, buddy. I know you are keen to do something uh so I, the other thing i'm watching is the undoing uh, which is now i hear i've heard about
0: this yes is it good no
1: see i'm such a i'm such a lover of trash tv right so i'm like i, I watch anything right and, and it's got all the big names hugh jackman nicole kidman you know donald sutherland it's they're all there but i just i don't know if i'm gonna like it i, I just don't know if it's gonna be too I'm not sure. Anyway, Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, I said Hugh Jackman, didn't I? I mean Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant, yes. uh, you know, in this opular, uber-rich New York society setting, you know, they're a privileged, loving family and everything seems perfect. And by the end of the first episode, you know it's not. Um, it seems very likely that Hugh's been telling Porky's and Nicole is some sort of crazy killer. But, he, he, like, and that's by the end of the first episode. So I'm thinking where's it got to go from here I don't really know but I, I, I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm unsure I'm unsure and the other thing is it's dropping week by week so there's four episodes out now so I've started to watch it so um and what are you watching out? on where do you see it? I'm seeing it on Hulu but I'm not sure how that would appear in other countries
0: so usually that's stan in australia yeah. i think but it's a, it's an so hbo production un-
1: i mean hbo have right. great productions i think hbo also comes as an on to amazon prime so that's that's another way you can see it
0: is that one of nicole kidman's um uh, one of her productions you know how she does them with reese witherspoon and i don't know but
1: But I was watching it and I don't know when you watch things online when it comes to the intro, like you usually just fast forward through it. But I was doing something and so the intro song was the intro song was playing and I thought, hang on, that's Nicole Kidman singing that. No like I'm sure this is Nicole Kidman singing. So then I Googled it. I, I just let the whole thing play and I Googled it. And, yeah, she sings some sort of dream, a little dream of you or something, uh, the whole thing. Because I remembered that she sang in something else, Moulin Rouge or something. Yes, she did. And then I heard, I felt like, that's her voice. Anyway, so I, I would I would be interested in other people's uh, feedback on it because it, I don't know whether it seems like it's trying too hard yet. I, I'm not sure. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Okay. So that's it for me. So thanks, Kirsty. Thanks, buddy. I think you <laughs> only gave two. Oh, no, we were sharing The Crown, weren't we? Uh, we're uh, one <laughs> last thing on The Crown. Are you listening to The Crown official podcast? I'm, I'm not yet, but uh, I've
1: got it downloaded so I can do it because – Uh Mm -hmm. This week I haven't been watching that much or listening to that much because we have to submit our extended essay draft this week. So there's been a lot of concentration on that. I love the the way you say we. (laughs) I know. And and it's when you have a child that has no executive function skills, that is like I do a lot of sitting in the corner of the bedroom and uh, throwing things. So I'm not definitely not doing the work and it's so frustrating to me because it would be such a great essay if I could write it. But... (laughs) (laughs) right but there's a lot of supervision going on it needs to be active supervision
0: okay all right i'm gonna stop wrestling buddy now (laughs) i'm gonna take a photo
1: to share with you
0: (laughs) he's actually chewing the microphone
1: Buddy oh, Bruce. Buddy,
0: you're so cute. You're so cute.
1: He really would like to go for a walk. Okay. Will you take him for a walk and pop it
0: on Strava? Oh, yes. That's a good idea. Okay. um, okay. Nikki, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.